Main Street Road construction project? Have you thought about how you're going to keep folks coming into your location? Why not use the radio station you're listening to right now to let people know that you're open and about any specials you're running? Sheridan Media currently has advertising specials for any Main Street business located between Dow and Coffeine from April to October during the duration of the construction season. We also have special rates for the Country Bounty. If you want to learn more, and you know that you do, contact me, Derek, at 461-0580. Or me, Jim Schellinger, 672-7421, for more information. Sheridan Media is an employee-owned, Sheridan-based company that cares deeply about Sheridan. And we want to do what we can to keep the community moving during this time. We look forward to talking to you about this exciting opportunity. Having your own business can be overwhelming. Parker Mellinger can make your life easier with payroll preparation, accounting, and tax services. Our fixed price agreement is set according to your needs and features unlimited phone calls and meetings for one monthly fee. Choose only the services you need and we will tailor them to fit your business. Call today to see how we can provide you with cost-effective solutions. Parker Mellinger, 1811 South Sheridan Avenue in Sheridan. Did you know the Country Bounty is online at SheridanMedia.com? That's right. You always have access to the Country Bounty. The print version of the Bounty is still delivered to homes and businesses in Sheridan County and Buffalo, but you can also view it from your phone, tablet, or computer simply by going to SheridanMedia.com or CountryBounty.com. You'll be able to scroll through the entire publication. Click on inserts and more. Try it out. SheridanMedia.com or CountryBounty.com. It's in the palm of your hand. The Country Bounty. Cowboy football fans, season tickets are on sale now for the 2023 season. The season schedule features the home opener against Texas Tech, along with conference matchups against Colorado State, Fresno State, New Mexico, and Hawaii. Season tickets start at just $170, so don't miss any of the action as the Cowboys return to War Memorial Stadium this fall. Renew or purchase your season tickets today at GoWIO.com tickets or call 307-766-7220. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. This morning, we are joined by Sheridan City Council members Andy Patsick and Steve Brands. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Good, Good morning. morning. Nice. That was well done. <laughs> Not even In rehearsed, unison. folks. That just came, <laughs> came out the way it is. Now, Councilman Patsick... Uh, you are serving uh, your first stint on the council, correct? Yeah. Uh, is this the first time you've jumped into into politics? I uh, ran for class president in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the landscape. <laughs> yeah. So I figured I had it pretty well down. <laughs> 
That's fantastic. Where where'd you grow up? Um uh, Casper. I grew up in Casper and um was uh born born in Wyoming, raised in in Casper and uh went to Kelly Walsh and um I found a really cute girl that I ended up marrying from NC and she was actually born and raised here in Sheridan, which is um the roots that I have tied back to Sheridan. So Oh wow. Now what was it that inspired you to take the leap? And actually run for council. Well, you know, uh, we were all kind of just watching things uh, unfolding in front of us over the last few years. And um, basically, I looked at that and thought uh, I should get involved. So I started paying attention. I noticed that there was a few things going on with council that um, I didn't necessarily agree with or think were going the right way. And I wanted to get in there and and, and help out. So... If you don't mind me asking, what were those things? Well, the very first one, um, and I feel like I've talked about this ad nauseum, uh, was the uh, uh, banning of declawing of animals within city limits. And I understood the motivation behind bringing that forward, but um, I found out there were some aspects about that that maybe there wasn't as uh, very good communication with the uh, veterinarians in town that were going to you know, have a portion of their, a scope of their work. Um, illegal all of a sudden without having a real big say in that. And um, it just kind of cat, uh, catalyzed my my uh, desire or my decision to get involved and get in there and say, okay, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. What is it that you do outside of council? What's your day-to-day? Um, I get to play in spreadsheets and AutoCAD. I am a civil engineer. <laughs> A riveting, exciting <laughs> yes. life. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> full of adventure. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a database junkie. I like tracking numbers. So uh, if uh, you know the old phrase, if you had a million dollars, I think they're going to have to update that phrase now and say, if you had ten million dollars, um, what would you do? Um, I'd probably play around in in databases and spreadsheets on it on a daily basis anyway. So <laughs> oh, so it is something that actually like really fascinates you and, and yeah. I will admit, uh, you know, I was when I was working for the military, I worked in logistics for a time period. And when everything comes out square at the bottom, you you are a happy individual. That is a good feeling. I mean, yeah. I will admit that. <laughs> I've looked at plenty of spreadsheets, plenty of uh, logistical programs. Yeah. Because uh, they've got one that runs ammo, one that runs food, all these different things that you got to learn. Yeah. And when they come out right, you do feel good. I will oh, yeah. say that. Well, and one of my interests is in long-term trends. So I had a stint in college where I was getting really bad gas mileage, so I started tracking that. So I've been tracking every tank of gas we've had in every vehicle we've owned since 2004. And it's really interesting because you get to see the spikes in gas prices, how, how each vehicle is doing. And um, this is probably one of the nerdiest things about me. When we sold the vehicle, I actually provide the buyer with a histogram showing the different categories <laughs> of, of mileage that they can expect. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I suppose that's better than they're probably going to get from anywhere else. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're really boiling it down as an engineer. You're a numbers guy. Yeah, I like, I like looking at the numbers. So when it comes up to, like, diving into the upcoming budget session, you're ready to go. I am... I am willing to go. That that is a big nut to crack. Yeah, and um, I have been paying attention to the budget since last uh, fiscal year, 
And I was really trying to understand it last year too before getting on to council. There's just a lot to a lot to understand. So um, I feel like it's going to take a little while, but I'm going to keep doing my best to to figure it out. Now, when it comes to the career that you did choose, what what led you to that? Growing up in Casper, uh, you know, not to stereotype anyone, but I would have thought head right into the oil field, baby. That's where the money was. Yeah. Well. Um, Maybe at that point in my life, I wasn't the best at looking at long-term trends, but um, I had an uncle who was a computer engineer, and and I liked math and science, and so it seemed like a short a short leap to just say, well, go into being an engineer. Yeah, and uh, it's, it definitely has its perks and its drawbacks, but uh, it's a good career. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is, and very necessary. We need someone watching numbers. Now, what? was the platform that you said that you would say that you ran on for the council when, yeah. when people would walk up to you and say, Hey, why should I vote for you? What would you, what would you tell them back? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had a lot of practice at that because, uh, I did the door to door thing this summer. And, uh, ever since the wards were done away with for the council members, that meant I had to campaign to the entire city. And so I was breaking it down. I didn't even come close to, uh, canvassing the entire city, but, um, you know, I would tell people that I'm a constitutional conservative Christian and that um, I want to bring those values into council. And what that means for me is that um, it, we got to be responsible with our spending. It, it, just because there's something that we want to have doesn't mean that we should be um, putting the taxpayer money toward that. Um, and also uh, the government, I, I think that the best model for government is a government small enough to fit in the Constitution. So um, increasing personal freedom by decreasing the size, scope, and power of government was what I was running on. Now, what are your thoughts on everything that's happened so far? Now you've, you've made it through, you're on the council, you're sitting up there, uh, decisions are having to be made. What it's do you a think lot of, of work. It's... Um, uh, I, I thought it was a lot of work when I was just doing my research as a citizen. And um, if you want to make informed decisions for the on the council, then there's a lot of things that you need to think about and give consideration to. And it, it's a big time commitment. And I, I'm happy to give that. It, does, it has stretched me a little bit in my um, working through uh, my time management skills. But... Um, but Basically, that there's there's just a lot of things to consider, and um, I try to try to give each topic its due diligence before we before we get to a vote on it. If you were to estimate, since you're the numbers guy, the amount of time that a city council member is giving to the council a week. What would you estimate? And I know we don't have numbers in front of us. This is yeah. right off the hook, right from right from the sling. Yeah. Well, um, I remember thinking about this before I got on, and I asked some other people, and they said, "Well, it could be as little as just a few hours a week, or it could be as much as forty. And um, I found that that is pretty accurate. There are times when a big issue comes forward that it takes uh, a. a time away from my normal job and time away from my family. And then there are weeks where it's not so bad, but uh, I think um, somewhere around 10 or 15 hours a week is a pretty, um, pretty good estimate. Well, that's not too bad. It's I mean, not terrible. That's but, not, yeah. 
Um, but that's that's I would say that that's an average though. And and boy, I, only being three months in, I'm not sure if uh, if uh, this qualifies as par for the course. I could um, ask Councilman Brantz if 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 he has that same assessment. But it sure seems like a lot of the things that we are we are dealing with. Um, it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose, and that could yeah. just be because I'm new on there. But um, maybe at some point it's going to settle down. But it has taken a lot of a lot of effort. Yeah, a lot of time put into basically get up to snuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to any trainings or anything like that, uh, what are your comments as far as that? I mean, are, are you still in some of these trainings, or or is there like a big handbook and you're like, nope, I went through it, I. I took my precursory look and I'm going forward. Well, um, that's actually one of the, one of the challenges is there is a lot of different information that's available to us to help us, uh, do our job. There is a council handbook there. Um, we have, uh, some great department heads, um, that I've, I've made time to sit down with some of them, not all of them yet, um, to talk about their job and how it's going. Is there something that council can do better? Um, but then uh, there have been times that I've had to take, I'd have to stop and take a uh, step back and take a philosophical look at what we're doing. Um, because uh, when you're presented with something in front of you, it's your job to figure out, is this something that uh, we should be pursuing? Is it something that needs to be pursued? And what are the potential ramifications if we are successful in doing this? And um, that's where I felt a little bit stretched was trying to think about the possible negative outcomes of our decisions and making um, using that information to help inform the decision that we're making. Is there anything that caught you by surprise or is 10 times different than you thought it would be? Hmm. Caught me by surprise. Um, I don't think it's, uh, it's necessarily categorized as surprise. It's a, um, I still feel like I'm kind of new on the job, so a lot of things are new, not necessarily surprising. It's more of like going through the growing pains of figuring out how to do the job right, and um, that's going to be the case with with any new endeavor, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, what are some of the things that you do like to think about before you make that whatever vote it is? Is there like a process that you like to go through? Uh, you know, we all know that, hey, you want to be an informed council member. So mm-hmm. you sit down, you look at the numbers, you look at what's going on. What else do you consider before you put your vote up? Well, um, there are, uh, if you start a new job and you want to do the job well, if there is a job manual, it would you would do well to familiarize yourself with it. And so I've been thinking about that. And um, I do anticipate that over time, my um, my assessment of this may shift in its priority or focus. But right now what I'm focusing on is um, the U.S. Constitution, the Wyoming Constitution, and state statute. Um, I see those as being the owner or the job manual for being a council person. So... For example, when we were looking at um, which nonprofits to approve funding for, I was looking at 
okay, what are the roles and responsibilities of a municipality listed in 15, I think it's 154103 or 151103. And if the if it wasn't a job or responsibility listed for a municipality, it doesn't mean that I don't think that they're a great organization and I want them to flourish, but maybe the city shouldn't be contributing taxpayer dollars to that nonprofit. And so that's that was some of my proce- thought process with that was, okay, what is the city supposed to be doing and what other topics should be left up to, um, to private enterprise and, and the individual? Like the individual can donate to whatever nonprofit they want, but when the city does it, they're taking taxpayer dollars that came coercively through the, well, voluntarily through the purchase of items. The sales tax goes down to Cheyenne, back to the city. And then so we're taking um, everybody's money and using it. And someone out there might not agree with donating to one or another uh, nonprofit. And so so I, I tried to look at, okay, but if it fits in the roles and responsibilities of a municipality then I think that that's uh, a good thing for the city to support. So so essentially voting yes to approve that funding for an entity that may be filling a gap that the city can't provide, but you know it should be provided. Yeah, and that was the hard part, was trying to figure out which ones categorize and which ones don't. And that I probably didn't get it all right, but... Um, in time, I'm hoping to get better and get more refined at that and, and refine my own position on that. And you know what? It's first year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> first year, it's a lot to think about. Uh, but I would say that I do like uh, the aspect and the way that you're thinking about it. You know, we all contribute together. We all go forward together. Uh, but uh, is this filling a need that the city can't meet itself but is supposed to be meeting? Mm-hmm. All right, on that, we're going to have more with the Sheridan City Council after this. This is Public Pulse on 930KROE and 103.9 FM. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. Join Volunteers of America Thursday, April 13th at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds for their Empty Bowl fundraiser. This family-friendly event features gourmet soups donated and served by local restaurants, churches, and organizations. There will be music, children's games, and prizes. Tickets may be purchased in advance or at the door. Adults are $15, youth are $5, and kids under 5 are free. The Empty Bowl Fundraiser, 5 to 6.30 p.m., April 13th. Supported in part by your friends at Sheridan Media. Hungry for a delicious meal that'll leave your taste buds singing? Look no further than Frackleton's Fine Food and Spirits. Everything from mouth-watering burgers to succulent steaks, our menu is packed with flavor and satisfaction. Check out our extensive drink menu featuring handcrafted cocktails, local brews, and fine wines. By the way, now it's easier than ever to book your table early. Go to Frackleton's.com and choose your time of day and the table you want, and it'll be waiting for you when you get there. Frackleton's Main Street, downtown Sheridan. Judith! 
crazy weather, Midas has extended the tire sale until April 15th. Buy three Cooper or hand-cooked tires and get one free. That's right, one free now through April 15th. Plus, you'll get up to $100 mail-in rebate from the manufacturer. Midas also has big savings on brakes, shocks, fluid flush, and more. Check out the Midas ad at the Country Bounty for details. Don't forget to roll into Midas by the 15th to get your free tire. Midas Tire and Auto, East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Let's talk about 963 Trabing Road. Country living just 20 minutes from downtown Buffalo. This great country property on 66 acres with no covenants features custom cabinets, a wood stove, covered deck, fireplace, private well, central air, and a large greenhouse. Horses are allowed, RV parking, and a large storage shed. The view of the Bighorns and Crazy Woman Canyon will seal this deal. Call Dolly Bellis at Buffalo Realty and ask her about this ranchette on 963 Trabing Road. Hi, this is Liz Kincaid, host of the new video podcast called Sheridan County Ag Update. Join me this week as I visit with Sheridan County 4-H swine leaders, Chris Sorensen and Kurt Russell. Sheridan County Ag Update presented by Heartland Kubota, True Built Builders, and Cowboy State Bank. You can find my video podcast each week in other interviews under the podcast tab on SheridanMedia.com. Join me, Liz Kincaid, host of Sheridan County Ag Update on SheridanMedia.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with Sheridan City Council members, Andy Patsick and Steve Brands. Now, the Sheridan Main Street Resurfacing and Utility Project is finally getting underway. We've been talking about this, geez, year, two years Councilman Brantz, I mean, this has been... Uh, Two, three years, Yeah, yes. this is... The planning for this has yeah. been quite a while. Now, Councilman, you attend most, if not all, of these big meetings, correct? And now, Councilman Brantz, what what are you hearing from the general public in regards to this project? Well, this morning, actually, I was just talking to Jim as I came through here. Um, everybody wants just to make sure that we're on schedule. I think that's the big thing. We know it's going to be a two-year project, so everybody wants to make sure that things stay the way they should. Um, I was very fortunate. I, Like I said, I'm a lifer here, so I remember back in the late 70s when we did the um, Coffee and Avenue from the two-lane to four-lane when YDOT did that. And I also remember when YDOT did the um, Little Goose Bridge on Coffee And so living in that area, I realized how disruptive it is. Mm-hmm. It's... It, creates some problems, but I think our downtown people are just concerned that they still have access, and they will. They'll have sidewalk access, and they will have street parking probably on the backside of their businesses. But I think the biggest concern is we just want to make sure that our local people do not forget the downtown area. You know, we're creatures of habit, so we're going to start probably avoiding Main Street like the plague, which is not to do it on purpose, but we have to make a conscious effort to support our local downtown merchants. You know, there will be a little bit of an economic driver with the construction and the people working down there as far as maybe walk in for restaurants and fuel they buy here. But but as a community, we need to really be aware that our downtown needs us desperately in the next two years. So what I'm hearing is just make sure that the downtown is not forgotten in the next two years. 
And we'll do everything we can to make sure through advertising, promotions, that as far as the city council, we are behind our downtown. I know the DSA is really strong as far as promoting downtown, Chamber of Commerce also, and the local merchants. They're going to step up. And, I, you know, two years will go by pretty fast unless you're down there and it's going to seem kind of slow. <laughs> then it but, seems like forever when it's outside yeah, your window, doesn't like it? Like a kid waiting for Christmas, you know, but... but um, Hopefully, this will be the last time we have to do anything like that for 50 years. So by then, I will be not around. So um, let's do it the right way. Let's not cut corners. Let's make it last so it will last 50 years. Absolutely. Uh, Now, when it comes to what the public's actually going to see over the course of the project, um, you know, when I think about, like, tourist season, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, everybody walking around downtown because that's a huge driver mm-hmm. for us. You know, it, there's not a lot of places uh, and a big, unfortunately underlined left in Wyoming where you mm-hmm. can walk downtown and experience that charming mm-hmm. hometown feel. Uh, I would say that the downtown area is probably the jewel mm-hmm. in the crown. Now, are we worried about tourism getting discouraged by the orange signs or, or are we kind of, are we okay with, mm-hmm. with where we're at? You know, I believe there are going to be some people that are be discouraged by the, the noise, by the dust. But in reality, we do have a beautiful downtown area. I've talked to many tourists who've come back year after year so I do believe there may be some uncomfortable days with noise, but I think uh, our tourists will will still come down to downtown. Yeah, I think people are curious. They probably actually enjoy watching the machineries work too. So, but um, we just have to make sure that we don't uh, forget our downtown area. You know, I'm kind of that way. I, I'll, I was working at a newspaper, and they were having street work completed mm-hmm. right outside. Yeah. And I found myself just kind of zoning, yeah. watching how they're laying yeah. that stuff down. Amazing machinery nowadays. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Now, will the three, because we're going to be doing this in three block sections. Will all three of those blocks be ripped up at the same time? Uh, or are they going to do the three blocks in sections? Uh, as far as I understand, it's going to be three blocks at a time. So they'll dig up three blocks. All at three once. blocks, okay. cover three blocks, and then move on. And then, of course, then by fall, they'll be out of the area, and the main street will be back opened again. But it will be three-block increments. Now, how do you feel about the plans that have been laid down to live, work, and play around all of this construction? Well, I've mentioned a few times, you know, I worked for YDOT for 35 years, so I believe they're a very good partner when it comes to working with the city, and I think the city had a lot of input, and um, it would have been nice if we never had to do it, but we do have to do it. The other communities have had similar constructions in their main area. I do believe we've had two years to plan. I think the process, what they have come up with, with a three-block area, is going to work real well. I think talking to the mayor and the city council, they're dealing with uh, areas of promoting downtown, uh, encouraging parking off Main Street, 
maybe changing some of the side streets to parking lots. So I think it's been an advantage as we've had two years to get ready for this. So I think we're well we're well positioned to do this the right way. That's fantastic to hear, especially from a you know over thirty year veteran yeah. of Wyandot. You've probably not a, not a whole lot you haven't seen when it comes to road construction. I would imagine. No, and it's again, it's a it's a bad thing. It'd be nice if you could do it without a lot of disruption, but it does disrupt the businesses. But we are so fortunate. You know, last time we had a Main Street project, we were doing sidewalks, so that really did create a lot of problems. Now we have an access to where the uh, sidewalks will be opened up so people can traverse through the Main Street area. So that is a good advantage on this time. You know, this is just one of those projects, like you said, it's got to happen. It happens in every city. Uh, it's we have to look at it more as like a hiccup yeah. than than a problem, right? And what are some of the ideas that have been discussed regarding those side street parkings? Well, talking to the mayor, uh, he was talking about taking a couple side streets and making diagonal parking, and you know you try to encourage the um, store owners and the employees of the downtown area to park a little further away so they're not parked right behind their building, but. Um, Again, we're just having to wait and see just kind of how things work out. You know, we do have the uh, Cook Ford building, I think it's 109 Gould, that we have public parking in that area. And eventually that building will come down. We'll have more parking. But, you know, we've identified some of those areas that we encourage people to park. And um, it's really nice because that parking area is a public parking area. And it's pretty much by the middle of the Main Street area. So just identify where people can park. And, you know, we've got a good community. I don't think people are going to get too worried if you, if somebody's parking in their parking lot and if they're going in, going downtown to shop. So um, we're a good community. I think we're going to, we're going to come out of this real well. You know, um, my wife and I usually try to park around the same area and mm-hmm. it's in that big public parking lot that yeah. we've got back there. Yeah. And one reason, no matter where we've got to go on Main Street, we hit right there. Mm-hmm. And we always end up walking mm-hmm. uh, past, uh, you know, a lot of stores to get to our destination. And I find that when we're doing that, we end up wandering in yep. to a lot more places yep. or, you know, the window shopping. I mean, that's kind of part of the experience of being downtown. And if you haven't, as a local, if you haven't done yep. it in a while, it's actually really nice to do, especially, yep. you know, Christmas time and yep. places, you know, times like that. But, uh, yeah, we end up parking in the same spot or around that same area yeah. every time and seeing a lot more than what we even planned on seeing. Yeah. You know, I always tell the story. I always park in the same spot because otherwise I forget where I park. <laughs> but the reality is, as a child growing up in the early 60s in Sheridan, it was not uncommon that, you know, my parents, my mother, uh, every Saturday you'd go downtown and you'd basically walk both sides of the street. Mm-hmm. And that's, everybody did that. That was the downtown. That's what you did on Saturday. And um, so often, again, myself, I go downtown and I think, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize we had this store. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't hurt to get out of your comfort zone and do a little walking and exploring of the downtown area. I uh, had to buy some flowers for a birthday mm. and uh, got a recommendation from uh, Jim upstairs. And so he sent me to a place, a business here mm-hmm. downtown. And I ended up in there for probably, <laughs> I don't know, 45, 30 minutes yeah. just talking. Yep. You know, 
uh, and now they've got my business for, yeah. <laughs> for as long yeah. as I'm here. It's just uh, it's a great experience, folks. You can yep. you can shop downtown or you can get to know downtown. And one way that the mayor is working with the chamber and the DSA to draw people downtown. Can you tell me about that? Well, one thing we he's done that we talked as a council. He'd like to promote uh, the downtown with some uh, chamber bucks to get people to go downtown. You know, you put in uh, a drawing or something for some chamber bucks. I do know he's talking uh, to the stations about a little more uh, publicity, some more ads. You know, we as a city, we we support the uh, DSA and the chamber, and they will indirectly, you know, do some uh, outreach for that. But one thing I do know about uh, Rich, he's very, very concerned about downtown and he is doing everything in his power to make sure that this goes off as easy as planned. Yeah, so. yeah. We've got the plan in place, yep. and now we just have to kind of sit back and hope that it all falls to where it's yeah. planned to go, yeah. right? But uh, usually, usually we end up getting one snafu, but if that comes along, I imagine we'll we'll make uh, plans on that too. i got to take a quick commercial break. More with the Sheridan City Council right after this. Stick around. Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. It happens, you may wonder what's next. Champion Funeral Home can help you through this phase of life. They provide support and personal services while helping you create a meaningful tribute to your loved one. Champion Funeral Home has been locally owned and operated since 1911, providing compassion and care to Sheridan and Johnson County. Visit Champion Funeral Home at championfh.com or call 674-6329. Are you happy with your employment situation? Or are you thinking it's time to spring forward into a better job than the one you currently have? If so, plan to attend the Career Network Fair Wednesday, April 26th from 11 to 4 in the Sheridan College Golden Dome. Employers will be available to discuss various opportunities available and to answer any questions you have. This career fair is sponsored by Sheridan College, the Sheridan VA, and Wyoming Workforce Services. Wrap Plumbing and Heating can handle any job you have, big or small. From new construction to a pesky leaking toilet, the professionals at Wrap Plumbing and Heating are here to assist you. Drippy faucet? Sure. New shower hardware? No problem. Plumbing an entire new house? For sure. Logs that need snaked? Oh yeah. Wrap Plumbing and Heating has not met a job they can't handle. Too big a crap? Call Dan Rapp at 429-1196. 
spring is here. Hello, spring is here. Mr. Weatherman, it's April, and we're really ready for that snow to slowly start melting away and greening up our beautiful community. Hi, this is Jill Bates with the Best Real Estate Team. And although the weather hasn't cooperated with anyone so far this spring, the Bates team has been busy listing and selling properties regardless of the weather. If you need your property sold or you're looking to buy, there is no better team than the Bates team at Best to give you the attention you deserve for all your real estate needs. Call today, 675-BEST, or find us online at bestwy.net. Make it a great day. Proudly brokered by EXP. We clean more for you. We're Captain Clean. We're Captain Clean, Northern Wyoming's premier cleaning company. We stand behind everything we do and ensure 100% satisfaction. Call Captain Clean this spring and let us freshen up your home or office for the upcoming beautiful weather. Captain Clean, 672-0726. Affordable choices for healthy living. We clean more for you. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with Sheridan City Council members Andy Patsick and Steve Brantz. Now, we were discussing the downtown project before the break. We've got uh, a couple more liquor licenses that are going to be made available to us. Uh, council members, and I'll take anyone uh, who wants to answer on this one, what's going on with uh, the liquor licenses? Well, I'm going to okay. defer to council, Councilman Brantz on this one because he's on the committee, but uh, uh, take it away. Well, I'll do the best I can. Liquor licensing is really difficult. We're having a committee and we're trying to learn a little bit you know, if I were to ask somebody, how many liquor licenses do you think we have in Sheridan? They'd probably say 12, 14. We have probably close to 60 liquor licenses. We have bar and grill licenses. We have club licenses, microbrewery licenses. We have resort licenses, restaurant licenses. We have 23 full service licenses. We have a malt beverage license. We have a satellite manufacturing permit. Um, we have right now, we have two barn grills that are available and probably after July or whenever we'll have four more. So we have a community that has quite a culture of alcohol. So anyway, um, here a while back, about two years ago, the legislators gave us an, a full license to, to give out, and uh, it came with a lot of restrictions. When uh, we had the full license, which was number 23, came out, you know, we wanted to make sure it was given to the right people. Uh, so we did some some discussion on it, and we had um, some situations where we don't think were favorable. I think now the legislations are going to let the cities have a little more control of who they give these licenses to. Well, that was the full license that was out um, a couple years ago. Uh, we were going to get four new bar and grill licenses after July. Uh, so again, we're just looking at how do we distribute them, how do we uh, make sure that when a person gets a bar and grill license, they have a responsibility to have so much in food sales, so much in alcohol. Well, how do we regulate that? I mean, again, legislators come down with all these ideas and they issue these new licenses. But as a local community, it becomes very hard to try to regulate them. So, but again, I just brought that up because I think people maybe don't realize when you hear about a new license, how many licenses we already have. So does it mean we have to give out liquor licenses? No, we don't. We might decide, you know, we're not going to give out these barn girl licenses. Maybe we're going to hang on to them. But um, 
again, it's just amazing, our little community, how many liquor licenses of one kind or another that we have. Yeah. So, Now, uh, Councilman, what do, you, what do you think about when it comes to liquor license issuing? Like, what's, what's on your mind? Um, <clears throat> well, on a fundamental level, um, I, I look at the full retail licenses and how uh, they can retail on the free market for between two and $300,000. And I say, okay, well, then if uh, the free market is, is commanding that kind of value, that must be indicative of the level of profit that can be, can be generated from something like that. So, and I know that what we're dealing with here is an industry that um, is partially created uh, because of government regulation. Like the, if there was an unfettered or unrestricted number of licenses, if anybody could go and get one, then there wouldn't be the same value placed on one. Um, so there is, uh, it, it's kind of a difficult on a philosophical or conceptual level but uh, when it comes down to uh, the government or the, the local governing body's decision on how to handle those, I mean, much of this is, is, is dictated in state statute. This isn't something that we can necessarily change on our own at the local level. This would be something that would have to be brought up with the state senators and representatives. But um, so we have, to, we have to follow the guidelines that we are given. Um, my personal opinion on how to give out the licenses um, I think that uh, without having gone through the process, so I'm speaking a little bit from a position of ignorance on this, um, and the past committee that chose to do something different might be able to correct me on this, but what they chose was a decision matrix where they would rank the the different recipients and then ended it with a, okay, now when we're down to this many, we take the top six, I think of what it, what it was. We're going to do a lottery. We're going to pick out of a hat and see who actually gets it. And um, so there was probably a lot of, uh, I believe that there was a lot of thought that went into that, but I would probably support the straight decision matrix and just whoever is the highest ranking based on a, a, a multiple number of people uh, ranking their rankings and you combine everything together, whoever gets the highest ranking should be awarded the licenses. So, um, But again, I'm speaking a little bit out of ignorance on this, having not been on the committee before, and, and, I, and I trust that there were issues that they, that they came across that they had to figure out um, there were reasons that they came to the conclusion they did. Yeah. Councilman Brands, yeah. when it comes to a bar and grill mm-hmm. liquor license, is that able to be sold like uh, regular liquor licenses or is that different? You know, I'm really not sure. You'd probably have to get uh, Cecilia from the city. You actually would have a great program sometime if you had her on just for the hour talking about liquor licenses. <laughs> I imagine because so. We, like I said, on council, we have, are just totally learning a lot of these little things ourselves because there's just so many licenses now and they're so similar, but yet there's just a little thing that makes them different. You know, a restaurant license may, you know, be a certain way, a barn and grill. They look, they look alike to the normal person. You walk into an establishment, you say, well, what do they have? Do they have a barn grill? Do they have a restaurant license? What kind of licenses do they have? Um, To the untrained eye, you wouldn't know any different. She would be able to tell you what makes the difference of one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Cecilia is a tremendous resource. Yes. Um, just to add to what Councilman Brantz was saying, um, my understanding thus far, because I have asked that specific question, is that the full retail licenses um, become, they are resellable by the license holder. But bar and grill licenses aren't. That when they, um, 
end or are given up for one reason or another, that they go back to the licensing agency, which would be, in this case, the local, the city, wow. the governing so, so it's technically probably not as valuable as just a straight liquor license. You right? know what the funny thing is, though? And again, I think that this is driven by state statute, is um, that a retail liquor license, I believe, has a $1,500 um, application fee. And the bar and grill license, I think, is 10000 or 10500 Yeah. Wow. So it's interesting the difference in the the entrance price but yeah. the and corresponding to the you know the value. Yeah. Well see That's that was incredible. A, that was the thing when we got that new liquor license a couple of years ago number 23 state said you could only get $1500 for it. So put it out on the open market and see who wants it. Well anybody that's smart will put in for it because a $1500 for a liquor license. So we had multiple people put in for it. And we tried to sit down and decide, okay, who would be the best, who would use it the most uh, good for the community. But you have seven people, you have four people, nobody can agree. I mean, if we sat down here today and agreed on what our favorite color would be, we would argue all morning. All day, yeah. So when you take a matrix of like a bar and a, a liquor license, you know, I might like um, country music dancing. So maybe that will be where I want to put my, you know, bid on this guy should get the license. Somebody else may like the quiet lounge with the easy chair. So we had a lot of problems, you know, even though we're individuals and we wanted to do the best for the city, we all had a different idea of who would best use that license. So we got down to where we were just to the, you know, several of them. And it's like, well, it could be either or. So we couldn't agree. The best thing to do to be fair was just draw a name out of a hat. You know, uh, during that entire process, uh, our, our reporter for the city, Ron Richter, yeah. and I uh, sat around talking about how uh, we did not yeah. envy any of no. you on that board or that committee because that is a tough decision and one that, uh, you know, is going to upset someone somewhere no matter yeah. what you do. All right, we're going to change subjects on you real quick. Now, the winter season was especially brutal to the streets in Sheridan and Johnson County this year. Councilman, we've got a lot of potholes out there. Uh, go ahead, and uh, what should the public know in regard to our pothole issue? I'll start. Um, so uh, I'm doing my best to pay attention to what the city is saying. And um, during the winter, which we had an extraordinary winter for snowfall, um, there were a number of people that were uh, critical of the city's response. And um, so I started looking at the city's response. I looked at the city snow and ice control plan and um, how and why they prioritize certain streets over others. And um, my conclusion was is that they've got a good plan in place. It just sometimes um, when you've only got so many resources, which is always we don't ever have an infinite um, yeah, there, there's, there are going to be some people that get left out and, and that is really unfortunate, but there's, there's little we can do about that outside of, uh, just really going into debt and maximizing resources in one particular area, which would actually end up hurting other areas. But uh, one of the things that I noticed was, is that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of criticism for the city's response on that. And, but that was our problem at the time. Right now, the snow's all melting, and I feel great about it because I can actually see the road again, and the, the big mountains of snow are diminishing, and it's not as big of a deal anymore. The city was, in time, able to—they uh, got a handle on things, and um, I'd like to shout out to Hans Mercer for his uh, 
uh, the difficult task of finding a place to put all that snow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, but bringing it back to potholes, potholes is now the issue that we're dealing with. So um, there is some criticism coming from the public of, well, the city doesn't do a good job dealing with potholes. And um, really, I guess what I'd like to say is that um, if you don't want a pothole patch to be extraordinarily temporary, maybe even less than a month or two, then there have to be certain conditions that have to be met. It it has to be dry. There has to be a proper temperature between the two mating uh, elements so that they can properly bond. And those are the types of things that that the crew has to go for. They have to look. They have to look for that. The street crew has to make sure that those are in place if they're going to be able to do the job right. And that's what they're looking for right now. The city will get on top of this. It just is going to take a little patience. And as uh, Mr. Mercer said, we're going to have some interactive driving experience in the meantime. <laughs> interactive. Right. Yeah, there you go. Right. That's uh, a little ducking, a little weaving. Uh, you can make it there. Uh, just make sure that you're safe about yeah. it. Uh, and, and, you know, I did a big story on potholes when I was working at another uh, newspaper. And I learned pretty quick, you can't just go out and, mm-hmm. and throw some dirt and throw some asphalt over top. There really does have to be proper conditions or we're going to see that thing over and over and over again. Yep. And we got to make a, a note that the city has actually hired some private people to help with the potholes. You know, potholes are interesting because, you know, you may say, well, they're the road looks dry. They go out there and they blow it. They dura patch it or whatever they use. But if there's still water draining from a snowbank, they'll go back over the road. It'll pop that patch up. But anyway, the city is aware that there are a lot of potholes. This is the first year. It's just like dandelions. They come up at the first of the year. The city will do everything they can to patch the potholes. They've contracted some help out. And, uh, you know... Again, like we just mentioned earlier, we had a city crew doing a lot of snow removal, and now they've went right from snow removal to potholes. And um, bless their heart, they've been working their little tails off, and um, eventually we will get the potholes filled. You know, I was uh, there was a great big one up here to mm-hmm. turn around, and uh, well, at an intersection, and boy. I never. I was never so happy to mm-hmm. see those orange vests. Yep. You know? Right. <laughs> My wife and I had been discussing that pothole for a while, but uh, sure enough, it's yep. it's filled up. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll finish yeah. the job. They'll get around town. It's going to take a long time. This winter ended up lasting a lot longer than any of us really wanted. Yeah. It was harder than any of us really wanted. And when it comes to that snow, <laughs> holy cow! Three times the amount of yeah. snow was yeah. moved this year as an average year. Uh, yeah. It's going to take a little while to recover from this one. Yeah. Old Man Winter gave us a little yeah. bit of a kick in the well, butt. Someone asked me the other day, said, have you, ever, have you ever seen as many potholes as we have this year? How were the potholes when you were a kid? And I said, when we were a kid, we had gravel. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, had, we had washboard roads, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, we had gravel. I mean, like this road coming up to the station was gravel. Everything east of town was gravel, so I mean it's it's a big it's a big thing when you start blacktopping the whole city. You have a lot of repair, absolutely, and uh, a lot of resources to yeah. go into that. Uh, council members, I want to thank you so much for taking some time and being with us this morning. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank it's, you. It's very nice to be here. You've been listening to Public Pulse on nine thirty KROE and one hundred three point nine FM. Shared it.
First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Right now, all individual recliners, accent chairs, and club chairs are on sale at Moss Holders Design Center. With loads of in-stock options, you can find the chair or recliners that fit your needs best. Even if you can't find the perfect option in stock, all special orders will be discounted as well. Choose from swivel chairs, fabric or leather recliners, and chairs with matching ottomans. Every chair and every recliner will be discounted. That's Moss Holders Chair and Recliner Sale, going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. In this day and age, everyone's looking for a great value deal. Well, look no further than your locally owned McDonald's. The $3.50 value deal is available at your McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Choose from a McDouble, hot and spicy, or six-piece chicken McNuggets, plus a small fry for $3.50. Now that is the value. Don't forget to download the McDonald's app for even more great deals. Look no further for a great value deal than your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Over 80 new and used vehicles are on the lot at Waring, Sheridan, Chevrolet, and more are on the way. The transports continue to bring in more inventory. That means new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs of all makes and models, all priced to move. If you don't see what you're looking for, just ask. Come in and visit with a great team of Shane, Mike, John, Nolan, and Tim. Go online and search Sheridan Chevrolet for their website or stop by 107 East Alger, Waring, Sheridan, Chevrolet. Building, remodeling, or landscaping this spring? Maybe even all of the above? The Home and Garden Show at the Sheridan Ramada Plaza will have fresh ideas for you April 21st through the 23rd. Enter to win a $1,000 gift certificate to Landon's Greenhouse or purchase a raffle ticket from a home builder member for an Adirondack patio furniture made from materials donated by Blodorn and Connect Home Center with proceeds going to Sheridan College Construction Technology and apprenticeship students. Are you looking for great deals on quality items? Then look no further than Hot Buys going on over on SheridanMedia.com right now. Starting at half off of retail value, you can bid on a wide range of items, including certificates for automotive accessories, household cleaning, restaurants, cosmetics, and a bunch more. But hurry, the auction ends at 8 p.m. tonight. Don't miss out on your chance to snag amazing deals. So head on over to SheridanMedia.com, click on the Hot Buys banner, and start your bidding now. KROE, Sheridan, broadcasting from the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio.